0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Reds
1: Hot Stove. The Reds are on the radio.
0: Reds Hot Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, JTM Food Group, MSA Architects, Thompson McConnell Cadillac, and by Document Destruction, the Reds Hot Stove League is also brought to you by... And this
1: one belongs to the rest!
0: CBTS, a Cincinnati Bell Company technology solutions for business. Your Tri-State Chevy dealers. Check out Chevy's award-winning lineup only at your Tri-State Chevy dealers. The Healthcare Management Group. Greater care for greater Cincinnati. And by Woody Sander Ford. I-75 at Mitchell Avenue. Right in the middle of everywhere. Now the Reds Hot Stove League on News Radio 700 WLW. The home of the Reds.
2: Hi again everybody. We're back at the Holy Grail Banks here across from Great American Ballpark. We are bearing down now as far as live shows here from the Grail uh, this week and then next week and then after that. Yeah, hate to say it, boy, but it'll be in Arizona. We really don't look forward to 80 and 85-degree weather every day. We really don't, but you know what? Somebody's paid to do it, so I guess we have to.
0: Right, Jim Day? Indeed, and uh, I'm actually going there Monday. I know you are. So I will be uh, on the phone next Wednesday while you are still holding down the fort.
2: Here. Yeah, I'll be soloing next Wednesday night. Jim will be in Arizona. We'll chat with him about what's going on as far as uh, – the early stages of spring training 2018, pitchers
0: and catchers report when? On the 13th? 13th on uh, Tuesday. They'll have their physicals, etc., and then uh, we'll hit the field on Wednesday. Most of the guys are out there now. Nowadays, a lot yeah. of guys go early, even position players.
2: And you will uh, be out, uh, let's see, a week from today. You'll probably be out there roughly at uh, 6 a.m., which will be 8 o'clock our time here, so we'll have a complete full day of day one with pitchers and catchers, and you will be overflowing with information.
0: Well, Brian Price likes to meet with the media very early in the morning. I think he does it to punish us. He doesn't like to meet with you at all. (laughs) Uh, To punish me. Um, So we'll see. It's a big old hang with him. Yeah, we'll have some uh, information uh, for sure. As uh, Marty I, w- I wanted to talk about your attire. You're looking
2: now we're stunning
0: in pink tonight.
2: Yeah, I, 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 you know, God bless you for noticing that, because uh, some of us are observant, some of us are not. The reason I wore this pink pullover tonight is in honor of a young man in Ashland, Kentucky. His name is Lucas. He wore a pink shirt to school and was roundly ridiculed by everybody in the school. And the way I look at that, Lucas, uh, hopefully you're listening tonight, and I would say to you what I say to a lot of people at 75 years old, only a man who is comfortable in his own masculinity can wear any color he wants to. And, Lucas, you've got people that agree with you. God bless you. Don't take that heat from those idiots that make fun of you. You go ahead and wear what the heck you want to wear, pal. And if we weren't on the air, I'd tell you what you could tell them. (laughs) Big story today as far as Reds country is concerned uh, was the announcement uh, by the Veterans Committee of the Reds Hall of Fame that along with Adam Dunn uh, in the Reds Hall of Fame induction weekend, which will be July 21st and 22nd, will be former Reds left-hander Freddie Norman and former Reds manager Dave Bristol. And I can tell you that uh, from a personal perspective, they are two of my favorite people uh, in all the years I've been around here. I've often said Freddie Norman was as great a competitor as any player I have ever seen, including Pete Rose or anybody else you want to throw out there. And Dave Bristol finally getting the recognition that he deserves, because and nobody loves Sparky Anderson more than I did, but nobody ever was willing to give Dave Bristol any credit at all for helping uh, to, to help create the Big Red Machine teams that, of course, came along in the early to mid-70s. Uh, as a minor league manager, he helped develop people like Pete and Tony Perez uh, and, and helped to make the transition from minor league ball to the big leagues a bit easier for a guy by the name of Johnny Bench. Mm-hmm. And so finally getting the recognition that he uh, justifiably deserves. I talked to Dave Bristol on the phone this morning, uh, and we talked at length, and I can tell you, and you'll hear it when we chat with him, uh, probably in about five or six minutes how absolutely
0: thrilled he is to be a part of the reds hall of fame the manager of the reds minor league affiliates from 1957 to 65 and in addition to the names you mentioned uh tommy helms lee may helped bring along yep and of course johnny bench when he made his major league debut in 1967 and then uh 68 really came on the scene as the rookie of the year um terrific guy and everyone loves dave Brussel when you, you talk about him and you know when you talk about the big red machine Everyone talks about the trade to get Billingham and Joe Morgan over here, etc. Lost in the shuffle is the trade they made in 1973 in midseason to get Fred Norman. Uh, He helped erase a deficit in the division that year in which the team went on to win the division. And then, of course, 75-76 back-to-back world championships. And here's a guy that had double-digit victory totals in each of his seven seasons in a Reds uniform, and that is saying a lot.
2: Well, including the year that he came over from San Diego. He was 1-7 at the time that the trade took place in June of 73. And from that point, he took off the San Diego uniform, put on the Reds uniform, and went 12-6 and six the rest mm-hmm. of the year to finish 13-12. and 12. Uh, he was an outstanding pitcher. He was a guy who utilized the pitch that's something of a dying breed now. And he was a screwball, predominantly a screwball pitcher uh, through the other pitches. But that was his big pitch. Um, and and it, I just think it's great that the Veterans Committee uh, answered the bell in the manner in which they did in naming Freddie Norman and Dave Bristol. And we'll be chatting with Dave around 6, 15, 6, 16, coming out of that break. Right, Mike Mills? And then at the bottom of the hour, we'll be visiting uh, from his home in San Diego, California with Freddie Norman. Um, I would ask a question of those of you here, and if we get a chance, we'll go to that if you want to throw out some names. What former Reds players do you think down the road have a chance or should be in the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame? Think about that. Jim and I have talked about it. We've got some names that, that uh, we certainly are, think are worthy of, 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 of scrutinizing and and uh, if we have time and you're willing to throw out a name or two, we'd be interested in chatting with uh, with you and about them uh, as time permits later on in the program. Um, <clears throat> I would ask you about uh, the uh, article that Paul Doherty wrote two days ago about this ongoing conflict involving the uh, ownership and, and about uh, the player union and the uh, And The comment that Tony Clark made, who's head of the player union, that it's a race to the bottom now, I think was the comment Mm -hmm. that he made, uh, which really I find incredibly amusing because I I think that for the first time we've seen some semblance of normalcy uh, being exhibited by baseball's ownership in in realizing that some of the things they've done down the road in paying ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of money to players – for an inordinate number of years, and finally they're now spending more time thinking about the wisdom and the way they're going to go, and naturally the Spoiled Player Union is screaming. In some cases, one, one uh, agent never came out with a word, but he certainly implied that there was collusion, which I think yeah. is a damn joke. Um, and I thought the article that Paul Doherty wrote, uh, very rarely does he write a bad article. In fact, I can't tell you one. Uh, he wrote a tremendous article about this whole thing and, and how it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a kettle of fish being stirred up by the union, obviously much more so, without, without any basis of fact
0: than the ownership's opinion. There's a lot of articles out there that they're saying this is the beginning of it getting ugly before the next collective bargaining agreement has to be negotiated, and uh, which is unfortunate. And. You know, I don't. I don't have a side in in, in the fight. Oh, I uh, do. I've got a definite side. The fight. Well, I, I just I just hope the the game of baseball is healthy. So that's my my dog in the fight. Um, but I will say that I wish they wouldn't interview these agents because some of the comments that they make are really turning off the fan base. Uh, the average Joe out there. Um, when you talk about uh, hardships, using words like hardships, sure. these players have to wait till March to They're get. They're on the bread line now. Honest yeah. To God, they need a meal every
2: now and then. Or
0: the, you know, the, the, it, it making uh, Hosmer wait till March to get a seven-year, hundred-plus million-dollar sure. contract is just—it's turning off fans. And I wish they would realize this. Uh, because the average person, a lot of people can't even afford to come down to the ballpark sometimes, to afford the cable bill, to watch baseball on TV, uh, kids putting food on the table. Uh, just watch what you say, because you can really turn off the fan base, and that's been the unfortunate part for me in a very uh, you know, a short amount of time since Tony Clark came out with these comments. Well,
2: it's a poor put-upon union with the Major League Baseball Player Union. Uh, We promise you Dave Bristol, and we will be back and chat with the uh, Reds manager from 1966 to 69 after the break. You're listening to the Reds Hall of Fame live from the Reds Hot Stove League live from the Holy
0: Grail Banks presented by Budweiser. Reds Hall of Fame and Museum is offering $5 admission in February for all fans, including students and seniors. Plus, the hall is offering $5 off the regular price of all Major League Clubhouse tours during the month of February. For additional details, visit RedsMuseum.org. This is the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Buzzweiser. We are live from the Holy Grail Bank's. Alongside the Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman, I'm Jim Day, and uh, one of your favorite guys
2: on the line. If I ever write a book, which I won't, he'd be in my top ten all-time favorite people uh, in this organization, but transcending all organizations that I've been around with, and that is the pride of Andrews, North Carolina. Uh, He's on the other end of the phone. He was a Reds manager in the 66 season through 69, and as we mentioned earlier, a major contributor to the creation of of a ball club that came to be known as a Big Red Machine. Dave Bristol will go into the Reds Hall of Fame in July. Dave, congratulations and thanks for being with us.
3: Thank you, Marty. I couldn't be happier.
2: Well, I, as we talked about earlier before we got on the line, I think it's it's uh, justifiable that you, you have a place in the Reds Hall of Fame because all too often – when people talk about this great team in the 70s, rarely, as your name mentioned, you had so many of these guys when you managed at AAA San Diego and then you came to the coaching staff in 66 to work under Don Hafner, who was let go. You were named manager later on in the year. And on top of the Perez's and, and the Rose's and the Helmses and the people like that, you made the transition from uh, minor league to big league for a teenager by the name of Johnny Bench.
3: Well... The Reds always had a good farm system during my career there, and we had good players. And uh, it's fortunate that some of them, you know, became Hall of Famers. And Bench is one of them. Uh, Perez is one of them. Uh, you know, you know all of them. And uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to talk about Cincinnati baseball.
0: Jim Day is with me here, Dave. Uh, question? Yeah, Dave, when uh, you know we, we got to know the Roses, the Perezes, the Benches at the major league level, and not many of us were around them in the minor league level, which you were, were these guys the same in the minor leagues? Could you see greatness in them uh, when you were with them in the minor leagues?
3: No, I'm not that smart. But I just worked them out, <laughs> and we played hard and uh, tried to teach them as much as they could and to be good citizens, and uh, it all worked out. I had a lot of good players, a lot of good players in the Reds farm system, from Hornell, New York, in 1957 till '93 when I left. It was a pleasure being in the Reds organization because you always knew you were going to have good players.
2: Dave, you were have been described by many people as a fiery, fiery, no-nonsense kind of manager, uh, a baseball man from beginning until end. Is that an accurate? Uh, appraisal of the kind of manager that you were in the minor leagues and on into the big leagues? Well,
3: when I was named, Eddie Robinson named me manager of the Atlanta Braves, Herman Bisher asked a question and said, uh, Eddie Robinson said he wanted a fiery manager. Do you think you fit that bill? I said, I certainly do. I've been fired five times.
2: i <laughs> <laughs> uh. You know, uh, you leave the Reds and then you go to Seattle. You manage there for a while. You uh, you manage, as you mentioned, the Atlanta Braves. And I guess you could write a book uh, by itself as working in the early days under Ted Turner, who thought he wrote the book on baseball. And, and that organization didn't take off until Turner finally removed himself from uh, any connection with the baseball operation. And then you finished your managerial career with the San Francisco Giants.
3: That's true. And uh, I tried to uh, – I think it was a culture shock going from Cincinnati in '69 to Seattle, which became uh, Milwaukee in spring training, uh, to see the difference between the expansion club and uh, the makings of the Big Red Machine. Uh, it was it was a, it was uh, it was different, and I didn't handle it too well. But I stayed three years, and I gave them as I've told you before, some of the best years of my life.
0: Well, Dave, uh, we talked about this a little earlier. When you look back at the big red machine, obviously Sparky Anderson um, gets a majority of the credit, Bob Housam. uh, Have you felt left out a little bit over the years for your contributions to that team?
3: I never felt that way. Bob Housam gave me a two-year contract for 68-69. And uh, he did a heck of a job for the Reds. And I tell you, Sparky deserves all the credit he got or is getting because he didn't mess him up. I told him in New York at the World Series in 69, you're taking over a good club and they know how to win. And he later told me, he said, that was the truest statement you will ever make. And I'm happy for him because uh, put him in the Hall of Fame and he deserves it.
2: You know, you had no way of knowing when you uh, left the club after the 69 year that uh, the trade would be consummated a few years later with the Houston Astros that brought Joe Morgan and Cesar Geronimo and uh, and Jack Billingham uh, into that camp. But the players that you had managed, and we mentioned the core of that group, did you feel like that that club down the road could, uh, I don't want to say achieve what they achieved, because most people now would consider that one of the top two or three teams of all time, but did you feel like they had a chance to be a a dynamic impact player in the league uh, after you left as manager?
3: Yes, and uh, if I'd have been home, uh, I would have gotten that Houston job because Speck Richardson called, and I wasn't home. I was in Texas looking at some horses. Uh And I would have had a lot of those guys. I would have had Helms and Jimmy Stewart and Wayne Granger, all those guys, and Lee May yeah. that got traded for Joe Morgan. But the best thing of that, about that deal is in 1983, Joe Morgan, Pete Rose, and Tony Perez were playing at Philadelphia. And Joe Morgan got hot in September and they helped us win the National League pennant for Philadelphia. I'll never forget that. What a player.
2: Now, before we let you go, as long as I've known you, and you and I have known each other now for 44-plus years, tell the folks, because the only nickname I've ever known you to come to answer to, and and there are more people that refer to you as Double O than they call you by your given name, Dave Bristol. How did you come about the nickname Double O?
3: Well, there's two versions of that. In the, in the Coast League, uh, we used to, in the afternoon, go to a lot of movies and I was a big James Bond fan and him started that. And then it carried over because I checked his room so much and he would answer and say, yeah, double O, I'm here. And it just, you know, it stayed all these years. Players call me today and they don't say Bristol or David. They say, Double-O, what she's doing, or, you know, whatever.
2: Yeah. And you, too. (laughs) We're out of time. Uh, We certainly appreciate your being with us. And, again, nobody was more thrilled about the announcement by the Reds Hall of Fame today that you were going in than I was. You're a a special guy. You're a credit to the game. And uh, it's going to be a big weekend for you and Freddie Norman and Adam Dunn come July. Thank you, Marty. Thank you. All right, pal. Stay in good health. All right. Dave Bristol, aka Double O, and when we come back from the break, we will be chatting with the other newcomer to the Reds Hall of Fame. At least come July, he will be Freddie Norman. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League. We'll
0: be back live from the Holy Grail Banks, presented by Budweiser. It's the Reds Hot Stove League, live from the Holy Grail Banks. We're presented by Budweiser. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here tonight. We. Talk to the newest Reds Hall of Fame inductee, soon to be inducted this season. That would be Dave Bristol with Marty Brenneman. I'm Jim Day. And one of your other favorite guys Yeah, going into the hall, that would be starting pitcher Fred Norm.
2: Without any question, I've often – I've said a million times, one of the truly great competitors, maybe the best competitor I've ever seen. Uh, when he went to the mound, he went to the mound with the expectation of pitching a complete game and anything short of that – He was not a happy camper, as was the case with Dave Bristol. They have duly honored with the announcement today of left-hander Freddie Norman uh, as uh, one of the new members to be inducted into the Reds Hall of Fame come July. Freddie's on the line from his home in Southern California. Fred, uh, thanks for being with us, and congratulations, my friend. Marty. How are you, buddy? Hello. (laughs) We've been around the block a few times, haven't we?
1: yeah i have and i i tried it twice and uh but it's so great to, to be in the Reds hall of fame uh Everything is all good, whether you get in with the vote or whether you get in with the Veterans no uh, Committee. It's just uh, an honor. And I, actually, I kind of forgot about it because I thought, well, maybe well, it's not going to happen, so I'll just, you know, hang around and see what happens.
2: Well, the Veterans Committee hit a grand slam with the announcement that you and Dave Bristle are going to go in along with Adam Dunn in July. Uh, you came, and Jim and I were talking about this earlier before you dialed us up, in, in uh, 1973, you're 1-7 one with the San Diego Padres. The trade comes in June. You go 12-6 and six the rest of the way, and, and uh, in the years in which you spent with the Reds, you were in double digits as far as wins were concerned um, every year. What were your thoughts, if you can remember them, going from uh, arguably, if not the worst team in baseball, very, very close in the San Diego Padres to a team that, as you well know, along with your help and a lot of others, achieved greatness in 75 and 76.
1: Yes. Marty, uh, all I thought about was I knew I was 1-7, and, and I think maybe that victory was against the Reds. I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, I'm 1-7, and and I'm going, what do the Reds want with me? <laughs> I mean, here I am struggling, you know, and I was in the bullpen at the time with the Padres, uh, because, you know, they took me out of the rotation, tried to get me going, you know, again. Yeah. And I started going again, and I started feeling well, and I couldn't wait to get back in the starting rotation. And then all of a sudden I get a call from Buzzy Bavese, who is our president of the, of the, um, you know, the Padres. And he told me all about it and uh, said, we've got a couple of deals going, Kansas City or Cincinnati Reds. I said, you can stop right there. You know, that's where I would like uh, to land is with the Reds Uh, because I'm so familiar with them. And and so I'm going over there and I'm going, geez, one and seven. I'll tell you what, I'm going to be even up by the time I get back from over there because I just knew that once you get in with the Reds and as as the ball club uh, that they had, I knew exactly, you know, things are going to turn around because I'm pitching well again. I, I, you know, I'm going to get help in defense, I'm going to get help in, in, in offense, and it's just a matter of time where I'll even my record back up and go from there. And that's exactly what I thought about in that year in 73.
0: Fred, when you look back at the Big Bird machine and everyone always starts with the great eight and everyone uh, that is a baseball fan knows there's no way to have success without solid pitching, and you guys haven't gotten your just due over the years. Do you feel like this further solidifies that you guys were pretty good pitching staff as well? Yeah,
1: I do, John. What I thought was that uh, we had a meeting, I know, with Sparky on occasions, uh, just the pitching staff. So he knew exactly what he needed from us and what we delivered, you know. He always said, just give me a 3.5 ERA staff of 10 of us or 11, whatever it was, and we'll win this thing. And that's exactly what we did, and that's, I think, how we win, you know, how you, how we won. But, it, it, you know, it's all about, you know, you can score a bunch of runs, you know, but you need somebody to get somebody out. You know, you can lose 10 to 9, you can lose 10 to 1, you know. But we I thought we did our share, and I think this is what helped us get to the the playoffs and the World Series, and win the World Series.
2: Freddie, you were such a competitor, and I'll never forget it. Uh, And and you were the only one that Sparky would ever cut any slack with because, as I said earlier, when you went out there, you went out with the expectation of pitching nine innings. And Sparky had a rule when he came to the mound. The rule was, do not open your mouth. i put my hand out. You put the ball in my hand. You stay there until the relief pitcher comes in from the bullpen. And then you go to the dugout. I'm not interested in hearing about why you should stay in the game. You were the only guy because oftentimes you see him coming, you take the ball and you walk out toward second base. And he would come to the mound and he would patiently wait for you to come back and then you'd give him the ball, and you'd go to the dug. He wouldn't do that for anybody else.
1: <laughs> Marty you know as well as I do. I just you know, I, I I'm such a competitor. I, I really am, which a lot of guys are. But I'm I, I just you know, I want to be able to come off that field after nine innings with everybody else. You know, I, I was just that way. I was built that way, that's the way I am. And I, I, I just had, you know, a problem sometimes, you know, with Sparky doing that. But you know what? I go back to a thing where he he came out in a a, a game that I had uh, against the Phillies. I'll never forget it. And uh Kimmer Brett was uh, the pitcher for the Phillies, he was doing as well and and, and I was, you know, pitching, and he come out, and he said, "As soon as I saw him trotting out, I knew I think I'm okay." Yeah. <laughs> right? right. So, I, you know, he comes down, and he goes, "How do you feel?" And it's only, it's one to nothing, ninth inning. I got like one out or two outs, and he said, "How do you feel?" I said, "I'm feeling fine, Sparky." That's, that's all I said. He goes, "All right, let's go to work." So anyway, he left me in the ball game, and I was very surprised, and I. Of course, he ended up uh, completing the game, and the uh, thing was over. So, you know, it, it, it sometimes with Sparky, it's kind of hard to to know what uh, he, he thinks sometimes. But uh, at that time, you know, it just happens. But I, I didn't try to show him up on the field. I didn't want to do that. I just gripped the ball real tight, oh, yeah, and I oh, didn't yeah. know if I wanted to give it to him or give it to Johnny <laughs> Bench and say, you give it to him. You know, I didn't know. <laughs>
2: Freddie, we're out of time. I will let you go. I, again, I'm thrilled to death you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's it's certainly deserving, and uh, I know it's going to be an unforgettable weekend for you and all the rest of the guys in July.
1: Yes. Thank you, Marty. It's always great hearing you. You're the best,
2: buddy. Thanks, pal. Good talking with you. Thank Freddie you. Freddie Norman. He was I, something now, I'll tell you. We're going to continue, and we'll throw it out to you folks. If you have some ideas about who you'd like to see as former players, let us know. We'll chat about it. We'll be back. Uh, the Reds Hot Stove League Live from the Holy Grail Banks presented by Budweiser. Stick with us. With the Reds Flex ticket pack, you get 20 credits. that can be used for any game and any quantity while saving up to 30%. It's a perfect for giving to clients, rewarding employees for your family and friends, and when your schedule is constantly changing, with a Reds Flex Ticket Pack, the choice is yours. Visit Reds.com flexpack Flex Pack. We thank uh, Freddie Norman. We thank Dave Bristol. They, along with uh, Adam Dunn, will be going into the Reds Hall of Fame at the induction gala coming up the weekend of 21, 22, and 23. I'm going to ask you now, unless somebody has – anybody want to offer up names that you think should be future Reds Hall of Famers? Okay, what do you think?
0: I've, I would think Danny Graves would be uh, someone that you would think about. as the all-time uh, saves leader, I no believe. No
2: question about it. Um, no question about it.
0: There are guys that are going to be, you know, borderline, that they're going to, you know, garner some serious uh, thought. One would be, we talked about Reggie Sanders. Yep. Uh, we talked about. Tom Hume, who I think they should just put in because he's the greatest human being on earth. Probably. i will vote
2: for that. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: And, of course, the the guys that we know, Brandon Phillips most assuredly will be a Reds Hall of Famer. Joey Votto will be a Reds Hall of Famer. And uh, I would imagine, and you'd like to think, that maybe some of these young guys that have yet to uh, get two full footprints into the major league scene here in Cincinnati one day may be mentioned in the same breath as some of these other
0: guys. Well, the Reds are hoping for that. Yeah. Um, they certainly got a good nucleus to work with. Uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see what Homer Bailey does the rest of his career. The overall numbers, you would think, okay, you know, borderline, particularly with the injuries, but he's got two no hitters. So, how do you weigh that right. in the future with the Reds Hall of Fame? So, it'll be interesting. There's certainly some uh, players out there that uh, deserve consideration. I think it's great that they have a veterans committee just like the National Baseball no Hall question. of Fame that uh, you know guys that were overlooked, uh, Freddie Norman and Dave Bristol who are going in this season, uh, tremendous job by the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum Veterans Committee. And you know you
2: made a great point and I think Jack uh, I think Jack Billingham addressed it in uh, some of the comments uh, that were made uh, uh, from other former Reds about the announcement today concerning Dave Bristol and Fred Norman. Billingham said Freddie had a screwball, a changeup curveball slider could locate his fastball, learned how to pitch, not just throw, and had a great career. And here was the key. I'm happy for Fred now and that all four starters are in the Reds Hall of Fame. I always felt that our four starters could compare with almost anybody. And that's a great point because, as you so aptly put it, uh, the grade eight just overshadowed everybody else to the uh, the negativity that – that, that nobody ever came out and said, "Well, those four starters weren't all that good," but the, the feeling was yeah. that, that these guys were not as good as they should. They, they were touted, and quite honestly, uh, they were the most underrated uh, rotation in that era when you consider what the Dodgers had and what some of the other ball clubs had.
0: Yeah, Billingham, Gary Nolan, uh, Fred Norman, Don Gollett. Yep. Uh, you know, a terrific, uh, terrific starting staff. You got. I mean, you can't. You can't win anything without starting pitching in baseball. I don't care what era it is. Um, And they were overlooked, often overlooked, uh, much like, in my opinion, Dave Concepcion is overlooked on the position player side, overshadowed by, uh, you know, his teammates. And uh, many think he should be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm one of them. Hopefully one day the Veterans Committee we we'll put him in because he was the preeminent shortstop at that time. Shortstop was a different position; That's it correct. wasn't as offensive of a position. He was a dominant shortstop, known as the best shortstop in the game during most of his career in, with the Reds. Ozzie Smith got a lot of publicity uh, later in Davies' career because of the backflip, etc. And I'm not taking anything away from Ozzie Smith, but it just seems like Concepcion has been overshadowed.
2: I could not agree with you more, and hopefully we'll all live long enough. Uh, to see Dave Concepcion take his rightful place at the Hall of Fame in in Cooperstown, New York. Um, What's today, the uh, 7th of February? Yeah. We're on the air in 16
0: days. You know what? When you say, if you're ready now, the starting lineups, it's like a rite of passage in Reds country.
2: February 23rd. And again. we can't
0: wait for it to happen. in Goodyear, Arizona will be against the Cleveland Indians. Looking forward to it. Well, 15, 15.
2: counting them down now. We have uh, about seven minutes, six minutes left to go in this edition, the next to last uh, Reds Hot Stove League that will be aired here from the Holy Grail Banks. And we will be back to, uh, in an elongated sort of way, wrap this edition up when we return in just a moment. <play> Registration is now open for the official baseball and softball camps of the Reds. This summer, 15 camps are scheduled and are open to boys and girls ages 6 to 14. A full list of camps and dates available at Reds.com slash camps. He's Jim Day. I'm Marty Brenneman, and we've got less than three minutes before we wrap this bad boy up. Again, we want to thank, uh, hope you were with us earlier tonight because we had the opportunity of chatting with Dave Bristol and also with Fred Norman Uh, A couple of guys who will be going into uh, the Reds Hall of Fame, the great Reds Hall of Fame induction weekend, July 21st and 22nd. Uh, It is a big, big event at the Duke Energy Convention Center, and uh, it won't be any different uh, with the addition of Adam Dunn and Fred Norman and Dave Bristol come this July.
0: I would love to sit around with Fred Norman and Dave Bristol and just sit there and be a fly on the wall and have them tell stories, particularly Fred Norman and what you were like in the 70s.
2: You know, one of the things about me is, Jim, I've never changed. Um, I'm the same person now as I was when I came and reported for work on February 1st, 1974. No different.
0: I don't believe that for a minute.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I pretty will confirm that. And Dave Bristol will do the same thing. Does that mean
0: you're still running the streets now?
2: No, I Uh. Uh-uh. not
0: All right. You're not the same person. Then. Well, no,
2: I've seen the light.
0: <laughs> I've seen the light.
2: Hey, I, I don't. There's no person on earth that looks more forward to laying my head down at night, at 10:30, to take it and sleep all night than I do.
0: I know, and you get up early too. I'm going to have to uh, make an adjustment if I want to be a part of this team.
2: You're the guy I worry about because you go to bed relatively early and then you sleep in.
0: No, the, I don't. The, the guy me. you have to worry about is your your regular partner. That would be Jeff Brandt.
2: No, I've I've come to grips with the fact that on those rare occasions. Well, not so rare that we get up at, at 6.30 in the morning and go out and play golf And we're on the road and Brantley has to get up. He pays a major price because getting up that early is not Jeff Brantley. But I don't want you to mislead the folks here at the Holy Grail and those folks who may be listening on the radio that you don't like to sleep in, too, because you do.
0: I'm not a morning person, although I do not sleep in like Brantley. I mean, a 1 o'clock start for, for Jeff, the 12.35 is killing uh, let's face it, that's that's like a 6 a.m. call for him. Yeah, well. Um, he prefers all night games. In fact, I think he would prefer like a 10 o'clock start at night.
2: All I can say to that is that we were together, along with our wives and Chris Welch and Beth, uh, on that catamaran of the Caribbean in January, and we all got up early, and you had less to say than any of the other people on that catamaran as we sailed to the British Virgin Islands. You were, in a word, miserable that you had to get up that early
0: no no it wasn't miserable i was the last to roll out of the sack there's no doubt about that but it just takes me to get the ball rolling a little bit but come 10:30, when you're ready to lay your head down i'm ready to rock and roll
2: yeah well that's another story for another night
0: <laughs> we are just
2: about out of time we uh we extend to you safe travels and uh and your trip out to uh phoenix and then to good year next week Uh, We will have you on the phone to get a general sense of what's going on out there, albeit very, very early. And uh, we look forward to uh, the days after that when we get together and uh, talk Reds baseball on the Reds Radio Network.
0: Can't wait. All right, Pleasure to be here with you again.
2: Thank you. Next week, final show here at the Holy Grail Banks. We thank everybody who uh, showed up tonight, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next Wednesday night. This is a Reds Hot Stove League.